We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Well, welcome back to Resident Evil Lurecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me, as always, is my fellow host, Daniel. Hi there. And... Just Ariel. Hi. Taking a thunder away from me again. Someone's got to. So today we're talking about one of my favorite Resident Evil movies. I think Ariel has me beat on favorites, though. Resident Evil Apocalypse. Why do I have you beat? Because you watched it way more than I did. Oh, I've watched it, like... (laughs) Out of all of the Paul Anderson movies, Apocalypse was the one I watched the most. I only liked it because of Nemesis. You liked it because of everything. <laughs> yeah, I Nemesis was my guy. So I was Stars. like, yes. I was like, oh, Nemesis is in this. I'm going to watch the crap out of this. And then Ariel watched it 37 billion more times than me. Anyway, we're talking about that today. <laughs> so, Daniel, let's get a synopsis going. What do we got? All right. So Resident Evil Apocalypse is from 2004. It's a horror film released in the United States on September 10th, 2004. And Japan got it a day later. How, does, how does Japan get screwed on this? They, they, they made this. No, no, no. <laughs> no Paul Anderson this. Well, okay, this. we made this, but they made Resident Evil. That's just how it happens. Mm. They probably get the games first. We get the... That's, that's <laughs> we get the movie. That's the movie deal. <laughs> that's the movie. We deal. get the movies first. They get the games first. Oh, I'm gosh. going with that now. Uh, it stars Mila Jovovich as it did before, and is set in Raccoon City, which was introduced at the end of the previous film, and it has fallen to a T virus outbreak. It drew inspiration from Resident Evil Three Nemesis and Resident Evil Code Veronica, among the most recent games when the script was written in 2003. His writing was handled by Paul Anderson, as was with the previous film, though directing duties fell to Alexander Witt due to Paul Anderson's involvement in Alien vs. Predator. <sighs> so it's his movie, but he didn't direct it. Ariel has thoughts. I wasn't a fan of Alien vs. Predator. I <laughs> love Predator. I, I, I like the first love one. Love it. I didn't like the second Alien vs. Predator. I wasn't ever a fan of Alien. Well, and me either. I like the Predators, but anyways, that's not this podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. We'll make one later. No, we won't. <laughs> we already have too much. Go. Poor Saren. Uh, anyways, that's all I have for the synopsis. That's it. Ta-da. <laughs> I remember watching this film in theaters. It was, I was pumped. I was so excited. I don't remember if I did or not. I watched none of these in theaters. Because I wasn't allowed to. So I had to wait. Boring. I know. That was my story. <laughs> did the did the movie theater do anything cool for this one? I don't think so. No. Ugh. But it was 
still super awesome. I didn't see it in our hometown. I saw it out of town. Like, I know our hometown theater did awesome stuff for movie releases. Yeah. Like Twister. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there a car on top of the building at the movie theater or something? Yeah. Godzilla. Another one. Godzilla. A giant Godzilla footprint in the middle of city center. Yeah. Yeah. And Pearl Harbor where they had the air siren going off. Yes. That was pretty cool. Oh, the days. Yeah. I saw (laughs) this in in a different town, so... They didn't do anything cool. A better time. Okay. Well, synopsis is out of the way. So uh, I guess it's time for some plot. Yeah. Let's talk plot. So the film begins with Alice, of course, recalling the key events from the first film, with some being shown almost like flashbacks. And on September 29th, the morning after the initial T-virus outbreak in the hive, so the first movie, the Umbrella Corporation sends in a research team to reopen the underground complex, which was a terrible idea. As the team enters the hive through a secret insertion point beneath Raccoon City, the entire team is slaughtered by zombies and liquors that were formerly sealed within the complex. Realizing the entrance is now open and the virus and infectious zombies make their way to the surface, Umbrella quickly begins evacuating high-ranking Umbrella staff members from the city. So you see all of the the black vans, the black SUVs going out. Uh, Dr. Charles Ashford, the creator of the virus, is evacuated without his daughter Angela, who is knocked unconscious in a car crash during the evac. Thirteen hours later, the T-virus has begun tearing the city apart, and the Raccoon City Police Department is overrun. Suspended STARS officer Jill Valentine assists in taking out the zombies in the RPD and advises that they evacuate the city. So that's something different. Jill is suspended. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we definitely will. <laughs> So, meanwhile, Umbrella staff cut off the drugs being used to sedate Alice in the Raccoon City Hospital. She awakens in an abandoned building, now having been enhanced by her earlier virus infection. As she exits the hospital, she recognizes the virus has escaped, causing devastation in the streets and makes her way to a police car where she grabs a shotgun from the front seat. She pumps the shotgun once and moves on. We see this at the end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of where it, you know, segues in her story. So as civilians flock to Raven's Gate Bridge, the main route of the city, they are stopped by a large wall Umbrella has erected as a checkpoint. Umbrella operatives screen them for traces of any T-virus infection until Major Timothy Kane orders all checkpoints to be closed as the T-virus infection has already reached the gates. And then he informs the remaining citizens to return to their homes. And of course, no one responds to it. So the military threatens them after hoaxing a shootout. So they use some suppressive fire to get them going. Elsewhere, Carlos, my boy, Carlos. Oh, Oh, sexy man. (laughs) Carlos Oliveira and two other Umbrella soldiers, Nikolai 
and Yori link up with multiple stars units in an attempt to hold against an onslaught of zombies in the street. However, they are overrun, causing Carlos and his team to fall back with an infected Yuri, who was bitten during the battle. Jill Valentine, together with Terry Morales and Peyton Wells, retreat to a church where they are attacked by liquors before being saved by Alice. In the church, it's revealed that Terry Morales is recording their encounters with the zombies and other monsters in case they survive the outbreak. Because that's her Emmy. (laughs) When the T-virus infection has reached critical stages, Umbrella dispatches their nemesis program to kill all remaining stars operatives. And when he encounters LJ, <laughs> I love LJ, and 13 other members of stars, they open fire on him before he guns them down, sparing only LJ's life when he drops his weapons. Threat level none. <laughs> Dr. Charles Ashford a key Umbrella scientist and creator of the T-Virus, has refused extraction by Umbrella until he has located and rescued his daughter Angela. As he hacks into Raccoon City's network of closed-circuit cameras, he determines she's hiding out in her school and contacts Alice and her group. He informs them that Umbrella's method of sanitizing Raccoon City is by nuking it, but he offers to arrange for it evac in exchange for rescuing Angela. Inside the school, the group encounters Carlos and his team, who have also been given the same offer. After various encounters with infected children and zombie dogs who kill Terry and Nikolai, respectively, they succeed in finding Angela, leaving the remaining survivors to escape by car and head towards the extraction point. Alice records her story with Terry's video camera as they travel to the extraction point. Like the only time, like, Nikolai was actually good. (laughs) I've got this bitch. The only time I actually rooted for Nikolai. Right. When contacted by Alice about their success, Ashford gives them the location of the extraction point and tells them that it's lightly guarded. After subduing all of the guards, Alice and the other survivors are confronted by Major Kane. Kane had been aware of Ashford's plan, captured him, and finally kills him, forcing Alice to fight Nemesis for her friend's safety. As she defeats Nemesis in hand-to-hand combat, she realizes his true identity, Matt, from the first film and refuses to deliver the killing blow. Her mercy appears to rekindle a trace of Nemesis's former humanity, and they join forces and attack the Umbrella troops. Which I've got stuff to say about that. Nemesis is killed in the ensuing fight, and Alice and the others escape in the helicopter. Major Kane attempts to board the helicopter, but Alice throws him off. Kane picks up a pistol and fires it into the rapidly growing crowd of approaching zombies, 
several times, then tries to kill himself, only to find he used all of the bullets. Sucks to be you. Instant justice. He is eaten alive by the rest of the zombies with, ironically, the reanimated Dr. Ashford being the first to get to him. I have things to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On September 30th, the N2 missile flies above Raccoon City, reaching the towers, and then obliterates the whole city. The helicopter is caught in the blast radius, the shockwave dislodging a piece of metal that hurtles towards Angela. Alice leaps in front of her and is impaled. The helicopter then crashes into the Arclay Mountains. Alice is recovered by Umbrella, but the rest of the occupants escape before the crash site is located. Terry's video is recovered and released, released, and flashes of news scenes appear. At first, the scenes show a public suspicion of Umbrella, but it's soon revealed that Umbrella hushed up the incident, saying it was nothing more than a sick joke played on the accident at Raccoon City, and of course got away with it. Umbrella explains the nuclear explosion on a failed reactor, and by the end of the series of news clips, Terry's video seems to have been regarded as a hoax. And those featured in it are called in by the police for questioning. Alice is taken to an Umbrella research station, where after several weeks, a mysterious voice telling Alice to wake up, which is really Angela's voice. Alice awakens in a water tank, completely regenerated from her injuries. Led by Umbrella scientist Dr. Isaacs, the doctors query her. At first, she appears to have no memory, but soon a rapid series of images of recent events comes flashing back. And she says with contempt, My name is Alice, and I remember everything. <laughs> She fights her way out of the facility, showing some of her darkest powers yet, only to be surrounded by dozens of armed guards. Suddenly, Jill, Carlos, and LJ, disguised as Umbrella employees, pull up in an SUV. Carlos shows the guards a written order, placing Alice in his custody. The guards stand down, and as Alice enters the waiting vehicle, she sees Angela in the back seat. Angela asks Alice if she's alright, to which Alice gives a brief nod. Then, as they drive away, Jill asks her what they, meaning Umbrella, did to her, to which Alice doesn't respond. Dr. Isaacs is shown announcing Program Alice Activated, and a close-up of Alice's eye reveals a flashing Umbrella logo. Together with Carlos, Jill, Angela, and LJ... Alice's face gazes out of the SUV window one last time, and as the film comes to an end, we see the SUV depart, its destination unknown. And that is Resident Evil Apocalypse. Oh, I love this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got things to say, but I loved this movie. GTA, motherfucker. I can't help it. That was my favorite line. <laughs> well, our thoughts 
and things we want to say about this movie, both good and bad, we'll have to wait because now it's time for a mid break. Well, here we are in the middle of the show. Ariel. Yes. What do we do in this part? Yes. The 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 entirety of apocalypse and the things that are irritating me have uh, completely fried my brain. So what are we supposed to do here? Yes. <laughs> Gosh, fine. I'll do it. Uh, we're supposed to thank our patrons, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Why are you talking to yourself? Because apocalypse got me all kinds of messed up. And besides, anyway. you said like... Aaron and then thanks Aaron like yeah, shouldn't because be I like, asked you to tell me what we we're supposed to do. Thanks, Ariel. <laughs> anyway, we're here to thank our patrons, like our VIP patrons: Oracle, Cerberus ninety one, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Donnie Shanks, Everything Res Evil, Naked Mango, Pocket Comet, The Seven Sins, and William Jackson. We also have to give a thank you to our all access patrons: Dead Socks. Edward Parks, Jeremy Kelly, and Remington Cloutier. And of course, our official patrons, Ryan Black and some random guy. No, uh, but in all seriousness, thank you to our lovely patrons. Uh, Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. We're up to 16 patrons, guys. That's incredible. That's pretty cool. It's awesome. Uh, Thank you, patrons, and thank you, listeners. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. We wouldn't? No, because, you know, nobody would download it and listen to it, and then it'd just be nothing. Three nerds talking to themselves in the studio? So, like, every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, yes, huge thank you. Um, there are some things behind the scenes we're working on. Uh, we had a wonderful email um, I won't go too far in depth into it. We had a wonderful email from some wonderful people. We had a wonderful email from The Compound, which is another uh, podcast slash Twitch uh, thing, uh, like streaming show that you can... I can't think of words right now. Streaming show you can go check out. Uh, highly recommended if you're into tabletop gaming or nerd stuff. I watched a bunch of videos the other day and I enjoyed it. It was really cool. They did a lot of 40k. The ones I watch were 40k. So, but I recommend going. Them. But we have been talking to them and uh, seem like some pretty cool cats. <laughs> don't don't you dare hold up your cat calendar. So, on that note, what'd you bring for us this midbreak, Ariel? I know I throw you off. I read an article, much like I always do. And this one comes from Dual Shockers, and the title is Resident Evil Death Island CG film announced with new teaser trailer. Get pumped, Daniel, because I will be explaining why you should. I'm waiting. Joe Valentine is back. That's not why you should be pumped, though. Let me continue. A teaser trailer for Resident Evil Death Island hit the internet on Tuesday. Set to be released in summer of 2023, the new CG animated movie will follow up on 2017's Resident Evil Vendetta, serving as the fourth film overall in the animated tie-ins to Capcom's formative survival horror franchise. So, now six years later, 
the now six years later, Resident Evil Death Island will be picking up from where Vendetta left off. The new trailer, originally posted by IGN, shows that Leon will be returning. Yes. Sub- now sporting a new, noticeably similar to his casual costume from the upcoming remake of RE4. Fuck yeah. Chris Redfield can also be seen, and the trailer also indicates that Rebecca Chambers will be returning after her previous part played in Vendetta. There you go, Daniel. I'm waiting to see if she wears Star's uniform again. She should just cuz. <laughs> <laughs> the most exciting part for fans, however, is almost certainly going to be the surprise appearance of Jill Valentine. At the very end of the teaser, I'm excited about Jill coming. We haven't heard from Jill in a long time. Yes. The exact role that Jill and all the others will have to play in the story remains to be seen. IGN's description for Death Island sets up a story involving a zombie outbreak in San Fran, which may have originated on Alcatraz Island, that being the apparent Death Island from the title. The plot will see the characters converge on the place to unravel the mystery and likely gun down hordes of the undead in the process. Death Island will be directed by Aichiro Hasumi, which had previously directed Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, the 2021's CG animated web series, which we have covered on here, for which he also contributed screenplays. Hasumi is also known for directing the live-action Assassination Classroom films. I like Assassination Classroom, (laughs) not gonna lie. Death Island script will be written by Makoto Fukami, who wrote the aforementioned Resident Evil Vendetta, and is also known for scripts on the anime Psychopaths, which is also really fucking good. (laughs) These Resident Evil CG projects have seen ups and downs as far as as critical and audience receptions. How Death Island turns out remains to be seen once it lands this summer. Either way, the return of Leon and company will at least make for an appropriate accompaniment after the RE4 remake. Yes, I'm so excited about this. Let's go! (laughs) Fear. Fear. No, fear's gone. He's dead. I don't know. He had to do with infinite darkness. Fear. Gone. Well, Daniel, with all the excitement of Death Island, you better have brought something really good this mid-break. Nope, I left it at home. Oh, well. All right, moving on. (laughs) So, if you are interested in having miniatures versions of things from Resident Evil, a vendor on Etsy known as Raccoon City Surplus makes a one-sixth size typewriter table and keys. Looks like it runs at a great price that will infuriate Ariel of $46.78. Why so weird? (laughs) Before shipping, which it looks like shipping is kind of pricey, but it does ship from the United Kingdom. So that could be the reason why it's so high in shipping, unless you're, of course, from there. But it is on Etsy by Raccoon City Surplus, and it does look pretty awesome. And I think that they can sometimes do some custom things with it, and the store does make other items as well. But they have the typewriter table and keys, one-sixth scale on Etsy. 
and Arrow will post all that stuff where it needs to be because I don't do that. <laughs> I want that. It looks so fucking cool. I want it. <laughs> She's going to try and save her game on a little tiny typewriter. Let me just... <laughs> oh, broke the other key. <laughs> See, I will say when I... When, when I Ariel showed me this from her phone after you sent it to her. I thought it was an actual scale to scale typewriter. And I was like, where are we going to put that in the studio? And then I looked at it closer. and I was like, oh, actually, no, that's a miniature typewriter. <laughs> you know what? We redone the studio. I have room over here. I mean, like, you do look, have room for a typewriter. <laughs> Chris could probably use it. Chris could. A life-size typewriter? I don't know. No, no, it's a six scale. <laughs> I'm about to have Leon added up there next month. Next month. Ah. We're a month away from release. Let's go. Beer. Paid up and ready to go. Ready to pick up in store. Fuck yes. Well, since we're on that topic, I guess we should talk about the article that I found. This comes to us from comicbook.com. And its article title is Resident Evil 4 Remake Divides Fans Over DLC Discovery. Wait a minute. You can read? I I taught myself. No, I was wondering that as well. Are you sure there's not a lot of pictures? Today, words are hard. That is the article. No. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, with the Resident Evil 4 Remake approaching, literally next month, we just said this, um... We already we were getting DLC with the Deluxe Edition. So if you've purchased the Deluxe Edition and up, you're getting DLC. The DLC was said and is still proven to be a... It's basically just more treasure and stuff appears around the maps. So you get more like iconic stuff, ammo, weapons. You know, you get, you get all kinds of stuff. You get more of it. However... What was recently discovered by Reset Era is a little bit more disturbing. Uh, Reset Era found on the Xbox Marketplace the description of the DLC, which go which <clears throat> which says, "Discover the hidden treasures that await within this map. Additional treasures will be placed throughout the game." It goes on to say, some of the treasures can only be obtained by this method. So, that's where the divide comes in to play here. Essentially, with the DLC, you get extra treasures because you're paying for the DLC. And if you don't, you don't get all these extra treasures. Sounds like a DLC to me. The problem is, is that there's a possibility they may be including some iconic RE original stuff in this DLC that you won't be able to get access to unless you purchase with the DLC, which is kind of what fans are a little eh about right now. And I understand because if they turn around and said, well, you can't get the Chicago typewriter unless you buy this treasure map. That's kind of, I mean, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Microtransactions. <laughs> it's the way of the future, apparently. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm not too upset because it's DLC. Also depends on the price and your content that you receive. Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm getting like five extra 
handgun ammo and three extra spindles and I had to pay $20, I'm going to be a little upset about this. But if I'm getting like five, six new pieces of treasure in every single area that I go to, I mean, yeah. Spinals, not spindles. Is it spindles? It's spi- it's spinals. It's spinals. Oh, spinals. Okay. Not spindles. There's well, I'm sorry. It. I don't pay attention to Aaron reading those things. This, this is why he doesn't read. <laughs> I don't read those things. Honestly, I was like, "Ooh, shiny pink gym." <laughs> <laughs> Goes by the pictures. I worked so my every- ass off collecting so- all of them. <laughs> so everybody at home who's immediately wanting to wring my neck for saying it wrong, don't worry. Ariel is currently doing it for you. Also, you can go into our Resident <laughs> Evil Discord and call him out on it because I call him out on misspelling things all, all the, the time. time. All the time. So call him out, people. Our it, patron-only this, Discord this is, that we just started, I've misspelled. I don't know how many things in that. This is the Daniel guarantee. Go into Resident Evil Discord <laughs> and call Aaron out. I give you uh, permission. Do so, it nicely. At any rate, spindle, spinals, spinners, whatever. How do you feel about there being a potential where items from the original RE4 may only be included if you get the DLC. It's whatever. I'll buy the DLC. I get why people would be upset about it, though. You kind of want to end the game. Mm -hmm. Some people don't, you know, feel like spending a ridiculous amount of money for things that should already be in the game. I get that. I... Me, personally, I just, I'm super pumped about it anyway, so you could do whatever you wanted, and I'm so excited <laughs> to play the game. Like, you could even kill my boy off. I would cry real tears, I probably would. But I'm still excited to play the game, so, you know, you could do whatever, and I'm just, I'm excited. <sighs> Daniel, what are your thoughts on this? Yes. Oh Fear. Fear. Oh, depends. I have to see what they give me. Because I'm a whole about content versus price of content. Yeah. Given with DLC, like you said, if it's expensive DLC and you get very little content, then it's not worth the price. And it's stipulation at this point. This is fan stipulation. I cannot stress this enough. Fans are stipulating that there may be items from the original that will be included in only the DLC. I don't personally think that. I don't think Capcom's going to do that to us say, hey, Chicago Typewriter was an original game, but you can only get it with DLC. I don't feel like they're going to do it. They haven't done it in the past. I don't think they're going to start now. Well, that's if certain stuff is even still in there. Yeah. I mean, the Chicago Typewriter may be a thing of the past. Typewriters. Thing of the past. Typewriters. Thing of the past. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I love my Chicago Typewriter. My, my final takeaway for this, though, is personally, if this is all we're going to get with the DLC... I still feel kind of robbed because when you think DLC, when you think you pay 20 bucks for DLC or however much, if it's more than 10, you're thinking you're getting an addition to the game, something to extend the longevity of the game. And if all you're going to get is a few more spinels, spinels, spinners, gemstones, gemstones, (laughs) and a couple more masks, I feel like it's not worth the 20 bucks or, you know, however much they're charging for the DLC on its own. But if you're going to add more guns, more upgradable content, you know, you get a bigger, bigger vest, bigger case or costumes or costumes. You're giving me more additional things to either work towards 
or used to have another replay through to enjoy. Like uh, Ashley's suit of armor. <laughs> I want that back. That was so much easier to not have to deal with her getting kidnapped all the time. So what we're saying is when they get the game and play through it and we cover it on here, we will then hear Aaron's opinion on whether the DLC was worth it or not. Exactly what you will hear. I will give you my opinion on the DLC. I've been ripped off and rewarded by DLC many a times. And I have... And then there'll be Ariel. Oh my god, did you see this part? Did you see this part? This is what fucking happened. And Aaron's like, DLC. But yeah, but the DLC though. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do it as a chart. It'll either be ripoff or reward. Ripoff or reward. Without that'll be your judgment. That'll, that'll be my judgment. Well, it's a new segment we'll have whenever DLC drops for Resident Evil games. Ripoff or reward. With that being said, I think that's it for the mid-break. Yep. It is. So let's go to the end of the episode. But first. I see this is why I said nothing. I nothing at all. <laughs> but first, let me talk about our sponsor. So head on over to Fanroll Dice using our link in the show notes below or just searching it up yourself. Use our promo code AlmightyC10, which is A-L-L Mighty, the letter C, 10. Save yourself 10% off on a set of dice or sets of dice. And they also have dice trays, dice bags, dice towers, all the dice accessories you need for your gaming experience. Yeah, who doesn't love saving money? You can save yourself 10% off. And they have a huge variety of dice from like metal and resin and plastic and gemstone and all that to like you can get jumbo sized dice tiny dice it's that's awesome so yeah do it i i want to emphasize here how cheap it actually is and how good the product is i won't say who but we had a fan who purchased eight sets of dice for 14 dollars all resin all special colored and you know the special designs $14 for eight sets of dice that were really good handcrafted that's how you do it I I'm, mean I have a few sets of the fan roll dice dice mm-hmm. and I love them I absolutely oh, yeah. love them oh yeah and they're awesome people I've had great conversations with the CEO all the way down to the tech support team and they're all wonderful people so it's just a good company all around and the product's exceptional. So, and you can save 10% off. Woo-woo. But yeah, I'll have the link for that and the promo code in the show notes below. Is that it? Is that all the sponsors? That's done. That's done. 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 So now it's time to go to the end of the episode. Stars. Well, here we are at the end of the episode. So, uh, Daniel. He left. (laughs) B.O.W.'s now. Go, 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 go. So B.O.W.'s are actually, it's a weird spelling because it's things that you get at holiday times to put on packages and they come in various colors. No, I'm talking about the B.O.W.'s, biological something weapons. Organic weapons. (laughs) I don't do abbreviations. There's dots between each each letter. 
I don't read. We went over this in the mid-break. I thought we were talking about holiday <laughs> stuff. Get my hopes up. <laughs> I'm planning eight months ahead of time. Yeah, apparently. Anyways, B-O-W's, bioorganic weapons, the ones in this movie, we already know two of them, are the zombies and the zombie dogs, or Cerberus, but I don't think the movies ever refer to them as Cerberus. Mm-mm. And then we get our big boy, Nemesis. Stars. Are you sure that's what he says? Refried. Yeah, it's definitely stars. Nothing else works. He's talking about <laughs> space. You know that, right? <laughs> it's going to kill all the stars. Stars. Or celebrities. I don't mm. know what Nemesis <laughs> thinks, what his aspirations are, but <laughs> those are the B.O.W.s I have technically, if you count Nemesis as B.O.W., not a character. I mean, technically, he's, he's both. They screwed it up for us. Oh, now he's both. Depends. Is he Matt or is he Nemesis? Oh. Spoilers. Sorry, everybody. He didn't learn that from the end of the first movie. We didn't learn that in 2000, what, three? 2004? Just long ago. Long ago. <laughs> almost galaxy, 20. Far, far away. Almost 20 years ago. Almost a couple decades. <laughs> All right, Ariel, I think it's your turn. Ugh. Couple decades. Ugh. <laughs> so old. That hurts. So, here are the list of characters in Apocalypse. So, you have Alice, Jill Valentine, Carlos Oliveira, Major Kane, Angie Ashford, Sergeant Peyton Wells, Dr. Ashford, LJ, fucking love LJ, he's so funny, Terry Morales, Nemesis. Yeah, I know they listed him as a character. <laughs> Nikolai, Dr. Isaacs, Captain Henderson, Yuri, Mackenzie, Priest, Mrs. Priest. <laughs> Mrs. Yes, Priest. How they have her listed. Even though they're brother and sister. Not I know, married. that was weird. <laughs> but it's Mrs. Priest. Mrs. Priest. Marla Mappis. And the rest is just like, uh, you've got like director, assistant, overworked sergeant, overworked detective, <laughs> sniper, bum, and uh, Daniel's favorite. The strippers? Yeah. Oh, that's LJ's. Undead <laughs> stripper number one, undead stripper number two. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's got stuff like that. But those were are like the main like actual characters in the movie. So. We'll dive into that next episode, definitely. You know what we can dive into this episode, though? Not Un- undead strippers. Un- unlockables. We can unlockables. Unlockables. If you Go push up, up down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start. Use your dance dance pad from Fargo PlayStation <laughs> days. You can see a shot of somebody's nipple. <laughs> I think that's already in the movie. Um somebody else's nipple no uh our first easter egg is actually about uh nikolai and you wouldn't know this unless you knew some behind the scenes stuff so nikolai's last name was originally planned to be sokolov but right before the casting sheets were finished i mean right before the casting sheets were finished they changed it chenna genevieve however comma his name in the Russian dub is changed to Nikolai Zerkov. Don't ask me why. Couldn't find out why. Just that's what happened. 
<laughs> Don't know. Do not know. Um, the next Easter egg we have to talk about is Jill's costume. Jill's returning star's costume from RE3 is used in Apocalypse. Even including the little hoodie off of her waist. It's not really a star's uniform. I think that's just casual dress chill. It is casual dress chill, but they label it online as her star's uniform. Don't ask me why, because it's definitely not. Her star's uniform is definitely the one she wore in Resident Evil 1, but it's labeled a star's uniform. <laughs> she has got the most lax dress code for star's <laughs> officers ever. Uh, the next Easter egg, while we're on the Jill kick, let's talk about why Jill was uh, dismissed from uh, duty. So if you look at the articles, the news articles in the very beginning of the movie, it says something about her partner's mysterious death, Leon S. Kennedy. Take that, Ariel. And her combat and her. Wow. That that was that was some shade thrown at Uh, me there. There her her potential involvement is what caused her. Shall we say uh, departure from duty? It's so weird that they did that just mm-hmm. because I've watched the movies and Leon comes in later. It's very not very much not dead. Well, I think what they they weren't didn't know if this one was going to make it past two. And yeah. maybe they were like, we want to get this Easter egg in here. We want to throw as many Easter eggs in as possible. <laughs> That's the only logic I could think of. Yeah. And then they didn't realize later, hey, we should retcon this with like a line between the two. But nothing. <laughs> So, the next Easter egg is the Ashfords. <clears throat> when you say it like that, it sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> I don't think this would be a happy sitcom. Oh, this might be a sitcom I actually watch. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, it goes without saying, Resident Evil Code Veronica, the big baddies are Alfred and Alexia Ashford. And once you know it, the scientist who created the T-Virus in this movie is none other than an Ashford. So, there's our little Ashford Easter egg. Yeah, it's... Arthur, and then it's An- Angela. Mm-hmm. Angie. My friends call me Angie. Uh, the next little Easter egg we have is uh, where Alice is being chased by the helicopter in one of the final scenes where she's running through the building and they're lighting her up. Light them up. Light them up. Uh, this is actually a play-by-play scene uh, similar to Code Veronica, where Claire does the same thing. What a twist. What a twist. And on the Claire note, and play for plays from Code Veronica, where she drops the gun, or Alice is running through the building, and then comes to the end and drops the gun, is another Easter egg. Because when she drops the gun and shoots the guards, this is a play-by-play of what Claire does in Code Veronica. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> uh, of course, we can't go anywhere without mentioning our our, our big boy Nemesis and his little Easter egg. Uh, stars. His Easter egg is literally saying stars. <laughs> How could you miss it? it? Wasn't bright enough. It wasn't bright enough. So yeah, um, there's a few more Easter eggs in this movie, but they are Easter eggs we'll get to when we talk about all of the movies together because. There's a lot of Easter eggs that span across all of the movies, and it it's it's a buildup. The Easter eggs are a buildup. It's 
pretty cool. They build the Easter eggs up from movie one all the way to, yeah. So we'll talk about them all at the end. But those are the Easter eggs that I have for you today. I think with the Ashford Easter egg, uh, when Angela tells her, my friends call me Angie, should have had her say, all right, Angie, let's go. And she should have said, no, my name is Angela. (laughs) Implies that she's not her friend. (laughs) That would have been hilarious in the horror movie. Got him. Gosh. So, uh, with all that being said, Ariel, do you have anything to add? I just want to add one little thing. Another little, like, Easter egg, I guess. It's about a nemesis's appearance. Ooh. So, the nemesis in the movie clearly wasn't the same as in the game. And we'll go into that discussion next episode. But the film did get his appearance down to a T. He looks exactly how he did at the beginning of RE3 Nemesis, right down to his gnarly chompers. Oh, yeah? So, I know a lot of people had said how they didn't care much for his appearance, but he does look like Nemesis from the original RE3. I mean, the only thing I didn't like is I felt like his height wasn't as tall as it should have been. You can only make an actor so tall. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I I leave that one alone. <laughs> I only mention it because we're talking about it on the podcast. But yes, I will say st- everything is identical to the RE3. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that little thing in because <laughs> stars. That's why stars. Well, with all that being said. Danny, do you have anything going on behind the scenes? Well, I sit behind a mic. That's what I do behind the scenes. You talking about like my Twitch channel? What? You have a Twitch channel? Yeah. Oh my god! Tell Some, me about it. Somehow I do. <laughs> so I stream normally on Mondays and Thursdays around seven PM Central Time on the Twitch channel, Twitter or Twitch slash Filming for Daniel. <laughs> Twitch channel Twitter. Oh, I'm Twitter. gonna make a Twitch channel Twitter now. I'm also on Twitter slash Fumbling for Daniel, and I post on there when I go live. Uh, right now, I've been playing Skyrim on Mondays around 7 p.m. Central Time, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider around 7 p.m. Central Time on Thursdays. And then, if Aaron plays games that I want to play, <laughs> I will join him when he Twitch streams. Or and sometimes I will stream in addition, but it just depends. It all depends on what he plays, and he can tell you his stuff if he really wants to. Oh, uh, Ariel. Do you have anything going on? Hanging out with you? What can we do? How do we chat with you? How do you chat with me? Yeah. Get on the Discord. Oh! But I would recommend if you do want to chat with me, tagging me, because sometimes I don't really see the stuff going on in Discord. Mm. So if you want to get my attention, either message me directly or tag me in the the chat room, because I'm bad. I'm sorry. I'm a busy. I I tag you often. Yeah, and that's how I know, and then I'll go in and check, because a lot of editing, <laughs> lots and yes. lots of editing take yes. up my days. So, but yeah, you can just you can get me on Discord. I don't have Twitter because I don't like it. So <laughs> it's 
about the only way to get to me. <laughs> well, like Daniel said, you can come hang out with me on Twitch. Dot, was it Twitch backslash? Uh, Twitch.tv. Twitch.tv backslash <laughs> Almighty Grit. I don't even know it. Uh, we stream Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Central Time, and Saturdays, 9 p.m. Central Time. And uh, we just stream whatever we feel like and whatever we're going to have the most fun with. Uh, by the time this episode goes out, we'll have already done it, but we are planning to stream tonight. Uh, we're going to do... Uh, what were we? Devour. Yeah, I'm not going to answer that. And uh, we're going to do... Uh, was it Zombie Army 4? And we're going to have a nut shot competition. See how many people can <laughs> shoot the zombies in the nuts. <laughs> Watch the Ghostbusters. Aaron has gone bye-bye. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to come hang out with us, just go check us out there. And uh, Daniel's there. Uh, we have Grim, who's our IT guy, behind-the-scenes IT guy. We have Mark from the Fumbling 4 podcast. Um, yeah, we, we get everybody in. Uh, Except for Ariel, because Aaron hates me. I don't hate you. I've invited you. It was like, a, yeah, you can come. That's yeah. not at all true. Yeah, we should get Ariel to play Phasmophobia. We should get Ariel to play Phasmophobia. I'm just kidding, listeners. I just... One of these days, I'll get on there and join. <laughs> it's not because Aaron's like, Ooh, I hate you. No, it's not. I'm just giving him shit. She always does. But one of these days, I might get on there. I am so excited to see her on there one of the days. <laughs> but anyway, with all that being said, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye there. Bye. Get out of here, guys. We're in slow motion. Sorry, everybody. We're trapped <laughs> in molasses. I'm done. In the show. <laughs>